Greetings friends, it's a great blessing for me to come to you today. I'm sitting here under the mango tree just outside of, uh, just on the property of Pastor Miyunda, next to his house. And it's an honor for me to bring you the gospel of God's grace, the message of his love and his, his continual uh, reaching out to humanity, wherein he just wants to save us, bring us life and peace. Well, as we start the service, let us just pray together. Father, I want to thank you that we can be here together. Thank you that I can sit out here in this just this beautiful day. Perfect temperature, birds out here, people singing in the background. In Africa, under this tree, it is beautiful to be here. Thank you for your love and your grace. And thank you that I can sit here and record a message and send it to friends all over the world. Your family, your people, the people that you love, the people that you care for. Thank you, Lord, that you helped me today to give accurate expression to what you have done for us, to teach this message on how you've come to save us from the world and not to uh, take us out of the world. Thank you for that, Lord. Thank you that your grace is on all of us. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Well, before we get into the message, I want to just give a little bit of a feedback on what has happened in the last few days here. I have not uploaded a video recently. And the reason for that is, is I, that which we've been busy with was basically very boring outside of the uh, outreach that we had. Now, um, we've just been busy with, especially Pastor Miyunda, the pastor that I work with here in Zambia, is, um, has been traveling to Lusaka. And we got the registration for our ministry. I think I mentioned it last Sunday. But in this week, we also uh, got all of the building plans drawn up, which was drawn up before, uh, but it was under another name. And the systems here in Zambia works a little bit different than in our system. So we made some changes to the plans and uh, had a lot of the stuff redrawn and um, put on Dynamic Love Ministry Zambia's name. And these building plans were then also approved and we also got our certificate that we can develop the land. So uh, we've also, what also took place in this week is the transference of the property from Pastor Masaliso that we've worked with for many years in whose name we've purchased this, uh, this property uh, because South Africans or non-Zambians are not allowed to own property in Zambia. And then after we've now registered Dynamic Love Ministry Zambia here, uh, we've now transferred the land. So Dynamic Love Ministry Zambia is now the owner of that land. Obviously that process is going on, but we've also already paid the, uh, the transfer fees and we've got um, everything is in place. We're just waiting for them to give the title deed. So uh, everything is done, ready to, to be built. So in this time that we were here, we got the ministry registered, we got the land transferred, all the building plans uh, drawn up and approved, plus the certificate of approval uh, for building, starting to build our, our mission station. Plus we've preached on Sundays, ministered the gospel, and we've had two nights of outreach. Now I would have loved to preach every night for five, six nights, but unfortunately on Wednesday I just got a, a, a cold, uh, it's cold outside and I was sitting here preaching and I got a bit of a cold and because of the COVID regulations and that I have to do a COVID test 
not allowed to have fever and all those kind of things to fly out of Zambia. I thought let me rather rest properly because tomorrow morning, which, which would be Sunday morning, and that's when you will be watching this, uh, this is Saturday afternoon here when we do this recording, I'll be doing a COVID test at the local hospital here and then on Monday we will head off to Lusaka. Tuesday morning very early we get, uh, get to the airport and fly back to South Africa. Once we arrive there, we would, uh, the, the day after arrival on Wednesday, we will pick up uh, the car that we purchased and um, we will then get all of that ready, make sure everything is in perfect order and then uh, basically head back to Zambia uh, in time. And we want to be in time for, to be back in South Africa before the 24th where I'll be ministering in a certain town, which I'm really looking forward to. So uh, that's basically what's going on. I want to thank everybody that has prayed for us, everybody that has supported us on this trip, people that, uh, that gave extra money, helping us uh, in the difficult times when the vehicle was broken. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. That's another thing. All of this was arranged and done, and uh, we did that, all of that without a vehicle. So uh, uh, the, the Pastor Miyunda and the people that do surround, uh, surrounds him has uh, really done a wonderful job in their travels and everything they did. And I'm very grateful for that. Okay, well, we're going to get to the weightier matters. And that is the scripture, the word of God, the message of God's love and, um, and his grace. Today I'm going to talk about saved from this present evil world and what that means. There's going to be a kind of an in-depth uh, in teaching, although I'm just going to do it scripture by scripture and let the scripture basically speak for itself. But I do think that it's a very relevant message, especially if we look at what's going on in the world and how things in this world works. This world has got a certain way of operation a certain mode wherein everything operates and we as the church have been saved from that system that system as many of you already know that follow my messages on a regular basis is basically the system of death or the result of mortality where mortal man in his own ability try to achieve what God has promised for him freely they try and achieve holiness. They try and achieve what is good. They try and achieve all the, the wonderful things that God has put forth unto eternal life, but they cannot. In their own ability, they cannot do it. So they try to be, they're trying to be saved by their own labor, their own hard work, wherein God has offered eternal life as a free gift from Him by Him. So we're going to talk about how we are saved from that system. Most of our systems today are political systems and whatsoever man does. Even all the, uh, if we look at the humanitarian work that's being done in the world, where it's done from a, a basis of atheism or a basis of uh, religion neut neutrality, where they don't believe in God. All of that is human effort at the end of the day. It cannot truly save. It cannot truly satisfy or bring the relief that God has in mind for us. Now, as we read these scriptures, I trust that you're definitely going to be blessed. Paul starts out and he says, Paul, an apostle, this is Galatians chapter 1, uh, not of man, neither by man, but by Jesus, the Messiah, 
as well as God the Father who raised this Jesus, the Messiah, from the dead. And all the brethren which are with me unto the churches in Galatia, grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. So how does Paul start this letter? You've heard me say this many times. This is what God is saying to you. Whenever God greets you, we find that Paul, in basically all of his letters, we find other writers of the New Testament, they start their letters out with grace and peace to you. It's as if uh, prior to any correction, prior to mentioning anything that people do wrong, like for instance in the church in Corinth, there were people in Corinth that were sleeping around. There were people in Corinth that were getting involved in, in a lot of wrong, wrong things that were acting like the, like the heathen. They were acting like Gentiles that don't believe in God. They were actually bringing over a lot of the customs and the way of living that the Gentiles did. Like, for instance, a man sleeping with his father's wife. In other words, his father got married uh, maybe to another lady. Maybe they can have more than one wife there. And then this Christian guy, believer, goes and sleeps sleep with his father's wife. I mean, that is gross fruit of the flesh. But when Paul starts out his letter to the Corinthians, when he starts out his letter to the Galatians, people that are basically turning their back on Jesus Christ, the way he starts is, I've got a message to you from the Father and from the Son. This is the foundation from where I communicate everything that I'm about to say. And that is grace to you. Grace to you. Peace to you. And this is what he says, which is so beautiful. That is from Jesus Christ, the Lord. Now, they would have understood that as uh, Jesus Christ, the new king. As well as the Father. So it is not as if Jesus is, is, a, is an intercessor in the, to the point of there's a father that sees the sin of humanity and Jesus is just pleading for mercy in front of the father, saying, Father, please be merciful to them. Don't kill them. Don't punish them or something like that. No, it is grace and peace from the father as well as the son. So we find these two beings, which is also one in their vision and in their whole purpose, is in unison about this. From both of us, we've got one thing in mind, and that is that these people that we are writing to through the Apostle Paul, that they may experience grace, that they may experience peace. So uh, it's like, uh, I remember watching that movie Braveheart, with William Wallace and all of that. I mean, when these two armies stand on the battlefield and they send their representatives out, they don't go and say, grace to you and peace to you. No, they say wrath to you, death to you, calamity to you. You shall do what I say or I'll kill you. That is, it's, it's not a, a, a peace treaty. It's not a communication of peace. It's a communication of battle, either or. But when we look at God, when He meets with man, what does He say? He says, peace to you, grace to you. What did Jesus Christ do when He appeared to the eleven 
after they have, uh, I mean, he would, he would appear to them after they've done all, all things wrong. He would tell them, listen, I want to correct your unbelief. Here am I. Peace to you. The Bible says that when he appeared to his disciples, he said in, in the one account of the Gospels, he showed his hands, he showed his side, he said, peace unto you. In other words, peace in my wounds, peace in my resurrection, not peace in everything you do, but peace in me. So when Paul starts this letter to the Galatians, who, of whom he is afraid that they might have fallen even from the grace of God. He starts out and say, basically, you might, have, might be at a place where you have fallen from the grace God offers you, which doesn't mean that God is not gracious anymore. It simply means you're not making use of what, grace, of, of what God gives you. Th that is what it simply means. He starts the letter out and says, grace to you, peace to you. That's what he's saying. Now, he says this is, like I said, from the Lord Jesus Christ as well as the Father. Listen to this. This Jesus gave himself for our sins. And this is the reason why he gave himself for our sins. That he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father. To whom be glory forever and ever. So he's saying that Jesus Christ gave himself for our sins. Now many times when we think of Jesus giving him for our sins, we think of a penalty substitutionary atonement, which means that the Father wanted to punish humanity, and now Jesus comes in between the Father and humanity, and Jesus, pun Jesus is punished by the Father. That is not a biblical doctrine. The Father never punished Jesus. No, the, the, the wages of sin is death. And because Jesus became sin, the consequences of sin, which is death, came upon Jesus Christ. The will of the Father was not to destroy man. The will of the Father was to save man from what destroys man. So the Father didn't kill Jesus on the cross. I, did, I've, I put this Facebook post up uh, a while back, and uh, just something that I wrote. The Bible does not say, For God so hated the world that He killed His Son. The Bible says, For God so loved the world that He gave His Son. And Jesus also willfully made His life available for all people so that people can be saved by God his life now there's a lot to say about that i can't get into all of that i'm going to try to get into some of it so one thing that we can understand here is that from the father and the son there's a message of grace and a message of peace thinking of the day when jesus christ was born when jesus was born the angels came and they they, they were singing praises to god at the birth of of our christ jesus uh, before he was now really the Christ as in the resurrection, when he was just baby Jesus, when he was born, what did they say? They said, glory to God in the highest. In other words, let us sing the praises of God in the highest and on earth through this man, which is Jesus, peace, peace on earth and goodwill towards humanity. When it says their goodwill, to man, 
that man there is the same as where Jesus came and he, um, the, the man was led down through the roof and Jesus healed him. And he says, man, your sins are forgiven you. Or son, your sins are forgiven you. That word son, you guys need to understand there's a lot of flies here. Uh, we just take it as it is. Um, when he said, man, your sins are forgiven you, that word man there or that word son there is the word for humanity. It's not just for the word for that one individual. It, he came to declare forgiveness of sins, the forgiveness of sins of all of humanity. It is something that God has established in Jesus, where Jesus delivers man from sin, where he carries the sin of man and declares to them, I am bearing your sins. I'm bearing your weakness and I will conquer your weakness through the Father that raises me from the dead. So here we find that Jesus, when he was born, peace and goodwill. That word goodwill, you can go and study that out, also talks about reputation. It, it talks about the highest reputation. So when he talks about, when he says peace and goodwill towards man, he basically says that the reputation of God will now be written on humanity. That means the faithfulness of God in Jesus is written on humanity. The faithfulness of God is written on people wherein uh, uh, the angels and every demon spirit and the hosts of heaven, uh, Jesus Christ, the Father, everything that's living will be able to see the reputation of God manifested in human beings, in sinful human beings. So what he was basically saying is peace on earth and the reputation of God written on our names. That's at the birth of Jesus. <laughs> Hallelujah. Isn't that absolute good news? That is how Paul starts out his letter. And he says here that Jesus gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from our sins that he might deliver us from our sins. I just put here by Jesus Christ, Jesus as the Messiah, the man who walked the earth and was confirmed by the resurrection as the Son of God. Uh, that's what gives definition of salvation, okay? Just in short, when Jesus was raised from the dead, what he looks like is what salvation means. And we will talk about that. He says, grace and peace, I've just explained that, who gave himself for our sins, to deliver us. That word deliverance means to pluck out, to draw out, to root out, to choose out for oneself, to choose for a certain office, a root or to replant, to rescue or to deliver. Okay, so what he's saying is that Grace and peace to all of you. Jesus Christ came forth to do the will of the Father. The will of the Father was to deliver you from this present evil world. The word deliver that we're going to talk about now is a phenomenal word. It means to pick out for yourself. So God went and he looked at man in this present evil world. And from this present evil world fl flooded with people that are under the power of evil, in whom evil lives, he picked humanity out. He uprooted them. Now, when something is uprooted and replanted, 
it means that the roots of that plant will not find its nourishment anymore from the uh, 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 nutrients that was in the soil where it was planted. If it's replanted and there's not proper nutrients there, that plant will die. So what that word uh, deliver means, it means to uproot. It means to pick for a different office. That's what it means. So when God looked at the whole world in their condition of sin, He says, what I'm going to do is I'm going to uproot them out of the system where the world provides nutrients to them so that the world system lives in them and that they live by the systems of this world. The systems of this world is called an evil world, this present evil world. Now, let's read it again. It says, who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil world. This does not talk about the rapture. This is not talking about the rapture as we traditionally understand. You know that there's coming a day when God is just going to give up his plan on give, give up his plan uh, with planet earth. He's removing God, his people from the earth. He's destroying the earth and they kind of happily live with God in heaven somewhere. I've got good news for you. Heaven as we traditionally understood it is not man's destination. Earth is God's destination. That's why it is all about Emmanuel, God with us. When God made the earth, He didn't make the earth as a factory for human spirits, wherein people are just made and then their bodies die off here, then their spirits just go up to heaven. No, when God made the earth, He says it is good. Good for what? Good for the purpose that He has dreamt from before the world began from before the world systems began, from before the earth was created, which was to have humans living on the earth share in the fullness of the Godhead bodily by the power of God's existence, by the power of His life. That is what he's saying. So uh, when it says here to deliver from this present evil world, it doesn't talk about taking us out of the world. It talks about keeping us in the world, but that our life will not be from this world. Meaning our joy, our peace, our uh, 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 life does not come from the systems of this world, neither from the politics of this world, neither from the news media, neither from what happens in this world. We will be in this world, but we are not from this world. So what he wanted to do is, as we are in this world, he wanted to simply plug us out of the source of death and keep us in this world and plug us into the source of life and so shine his glory in this world. This is not by the law. It's by grace. That is how it works. Okay. Um, so when it says that he gave himself to deliver us from this present evil world, he gave him for our sins. You all know that I've defined sin before from Romans 5, Romans 6, that sin talks about the weakness of our, in ourselves to reach eternal life or to reach holiness. We don't have that. It's called a weakness. 
Paul says that you know when he was in his flesh, when, when he was in sin, he talks about when he was still weak. That's when Jesus died for us. So sin is basically missing out on eternal life, which humans don't have in their bodies. So God came, provided a body that's got eternal life, which is the body of Jesus, by which and through which he empowers us unto life. Okay, right. We are quickly going back to uh, the verse there. Let me just recap. So many times we read a verse. I just see this ad all the time on one of my apps. It tells me, uh, do you read a page in a book and then immediately for forget what you've just read? So you might say, Betty, you're repeating yourself. A lot of the times we forget what we've just read because we are so occupied with a new thing that we are hearing. So let us recap. What I'm saying is, is that God greets us with grace and peace. Then he says that the will of the Father and the Son was to deliver us from this present evil world, which does not mean to take us out of the world. Giving for our sins means the following, and I'm just going to quickly uh, read two verses on that. Titus 2.11, it says, For the grace of God that brings salvation, what is this, this salvation? To be uprooted from the systems of this world. What is deliverance? What is salvation? Deliverance and salvation is not about where you go when you die. Deliverance and salvation is to save you from death and to give you eternal life as defined in Jesus Christ. Jesus' final destination as a human is not in heaven. He will return to the earth. That means our final destination is also not heaven, so that is not our goal. Our goal is the unification between heaven and earth, which is seen as who Jesus is today. And who of us, and I've said it before, who of us, by loving your neighbor, can make your own body immortal? Nobody. Who of us, by paying your tithes, can cause life to come to you? Who of us, by being good to others, can cause life to, to come to you? Who of us, by obeying any law or doing any good deed, can bring life unto himself? Nobody. Nobody. By no good deed can bring life to you. God brings life to you. And because he has brought life to you, good deeds flow from a person who is flooded with the life of God. It's not the other way around. We don't do good works to get rewards in heaven. We, we, we don't send bricks to heaven to build a house there. Those are all erroneous teachings. It is not the gospel of Jesus Christ. What God has sent is he has sent bricks into this earth which we are, which are living stones wherein he builds a house for him on the earth. <laughs> and we are living stones in the building of God who he builds. You cannot build the house of God. Neither can you gather in the house of God. You are the house of God. You are the dwelling place of the almighty God. That's it. And you will see how God fully indwells his house in the day Jesus returns, where every fiber of your being, your flesh, your body, your mind, everything that's inside you will will radiate the fullness of the glory of God as planned by the Father from before the world began. 
That is what it is. It's not about us going to heaven. It's about heaven uniting with earth. It's about heaven coming to earth. God making everything new. And the beautiful thing is that God has now, in Christ, started something where He uproots us from finding our nutrients, our life, our acceptance from being rooted in this world. This world is an evil world and we will still, still get to what that means. It says here, deliver us from this world. Listen to this. Uh, Jesus gave him for our sins. I just want to touch on that quickly. He says, for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. This grace teaches or basically uproots and plants us into uh, nutrients and fertile soil from where we bear fruit. That's what it says. Teaches us uh, that having denied ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live discreetly, righteously and godly in this present world. So what does the grace of God teach us? The grace of God teaches us, and that word teaches is not the way the law teaches. You know, the law told you what good things you must do. Love God, love your neighbor, uh, give, be generous. Uh, you know, all those things were already under the Old Testament. The law was already teaching a lot of those things. If you go and read all of Exodus, if you read all of those laws, a lot of that is good actions towards others even how to live, everything was there. But that did not teach people how to live holy. That was commandments. That's what it was. True teaching would be, and the teaching here simply means empowerment. Contextually, would have much more to do with empowerment. So it says the grace of God, the grace of God, which is the resurrection power of Jesus, empowers us, uproots us from an evil system, puts us into the love of our Father, and it then teaches us how to live discreetly, righteously, and godly in this present world. It doesn't teach us how we'll be taken out of the world. It, Jesus even prays. We're going to read that verse. He even prays, says, Father, I'm asking you not that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them in the world, just protect them from the world. That is all. Glory to God. So it's nice to know that I am in this world, but I'm not from this world. Like I've explained to you in a previous message, I am in Zambia, but my financial provision is not from Zambia. I don't live under the economy of Zambia. I live under the economy of South Africa. I also have some supporters from different nations. So uh, some of them are first world countries. So I basically can live in Zambia under the economy of a country which is much stronger than the economy of Zambia. And as that takes place, I can do certain things in this, in this, in this world, in the world of Zambia. I can do things and be a, be a light here and love here, but I'm not from here. In the very same way as what I just used, an earthly example, we as Christians are in this world, but we are funded from eternal life. We are not funded from a system where what you drive, what you wear, how much money you have, how many people you, uh, you, you lead to Jesus and all those kind of things gives you your identity. Let me give you an example. We purchased this land in here in Zambia 11 years ago. 11 years ago, for 
eight of that 11 years, Pastor Masaliso were fighting to keep that land because of jealous people in the area that wanted that land and couldn't see that one person can own such a large property, um, you know, and such a beautiful piece of land. Absolutely prime ground. They couldn't see it. And he was fighting with everything in him to keep that land. And only by the grace of God was that land kept. And now only are we at the place where that land can be transferred. And it was transferred into Dynamic Love Ministry, Zambia's name. So some people might say, you are not successful. After 11 years, you only now have a piece of property. I don't function by the systems of this world and my identity is not by the systems of this world. I function from the love of God that is being shed abroad for all people here and for myself. Even if that land was bought and I never developed it, but it could be developed for somebody else, by somebody else that comes after me. Who cares? I cannot measure my success by how many buildings, how quick, how many people, or any of those things, because I've been uprooted from the evil world. I will define evil to you now. I've been uprooted from the evil world, and I've placed into the kingdom of His love, of His, of his Son, wherein whatever I have is eternal. I've got eternal life. This message I preach here is eternal. It can never die. The fact that I'm here now and what happens here can never die for it's born of God. It's not born of I'm trying to fight, be, be successful somewhere and try and prove anything. If I look at this trip, how long that took. We came here, our vehicle broke. Some might say, so is the blessing of God on your life. The world system defines blessing by does your car break or not? What model do you drive? Is it good or not? All of those kind of things. I'm not defined by that. Neither are you. And it's so beautiful for me to see people of, in, in, in our church, locally as well as internationally, rich financially or not so wealthy financially, find their identity in Christ. It is beautiful to see. And I'm very grateful for that. So it says here that it teaches us to live godly in this present world, looking for the blessed hope and the appearance of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, listen to this, that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify to himself a people zealous for good works. So whose work was it to purify us? Whose work was it to, um, to end iniquity in us? It's God's work. It's not yours. You cannot repent from the iniquities in you. The only way you can repent from the iniquities in you is not to try and stop the iniquity in you, but to believe upon God who will stop it. Hallelujah. The word evil. The word evil means full of labor and annoyance, hardship, pressed and harassed by labors. It comes from the word which means to starve or to be poor. Okay, so when you are, when the Bible says you're going to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good or don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, he's simply saying don't eat 
of the tree of knowledge where you know what is good and now from your poor life, your starving life, mortality, you're trying to conquer up or try, and that's the right word, bring up life that you see, the good that you see. So many times the law has been put in front of people. Good works has been put in front of people as what they must do to be blessed. For instance, giving. You think that you're going to give to be blessed. So now you from your poverty must give something, meaning you're already starving, from mortal ability to generate funds. From that mortal ability, you must now, that poverty, you must now work hard and labor in your works to do good so that you can have life. That's a tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It will destroy your life. Here he says that God has come to deliver us from the evil world. The evil world is the world where you try and produce life by hard labor and annoyance. That's what evil means. Evil, I read for you from the Thayer definition, full of labor, hardships, to be pressed and harassed by labors, to toil for daily substance. How many Christians today are toiling for daily substance? What that means is every day they scrutinize their own life to see where they've done something good so that they can have some form of acceptance from God or where they can feel we qualify or we are good enough. That's evil. That is absolutely evil. We have been made by God to know our full acceptance, to know our full glory, to know everything that God has given us freely. That is what we have known. And to live from that abundance, not from our poverty, which is only accessed by our mortal ability and understanding and effort. Imagine I must find my identity out of how I'm, I do things in this world. When I drove here, went to that village to show Eliana the well, the sun is setting in the road. Don't see properly, but you think you see. And you lose concentration for a moment. You drive over the tree stump, the car breaks. <laughs> now you are walking for over two weeks, walking where you need to be. If I look at that and I look at my own ability, now look at what took place there. You can be ashamed. You can think, ah oh man, you like an accident. You know, just looking for a place to happen. You know, uh, you cannot feel good about yourself. All of a sudden, here's my wife. We're in the middle of the bush. She needs to walk. At that moment there where she was in the bush, she didn't even have proper shoes to walk with, like sandals or something. And there's thick sand all the way up. You sit with that. How can you, you, you can feel like a failure. Because you put yourself, your wife in a difficult situation here. All those kind of things. But I cannot have my life from that. No. <laughs> I am too weak. My understanding, my ability to see properly in a road where the sun is setting. My ability to just navigate all the time and concentrate all the time is not enough. And inside my ability, I am poor. If I must live by my own ability and how I do things right every day, I am living an evil life. 
I am, as it says here, I am toiling for daily substance. I'm starving, and from that starving, toiling for daily substance, from my own mortal abilities, I'm trying to produce life for myself. It says here that God has come to deliver us from the, the evil world. That word world there is like you would say you've got the, um, the, the arena or the, you can get the world of sports or the world of soccer or you can get the music world like that. So you get the evil world, the system where it is by your works, where it's from the human ability trying to please God or trying to bring forth life for yourself. He says he's come to deliver us from that evil world. Um, I just want to bring, I've run out of time, I've only got halfway through my message. But here it talks about the world. Listen to what Jesus says. It says, if the world hates you, in other words, if this system where it's by your works and not your identity in Christ, where it's by the good things that you must do again, where it's about your approval by your own successes. You now the other day, not the other day, a long time ago already, the Lord said to me, Bertie, if you never tell one person about me ever in your life, I want to tell you that my love for you can never change. What I think about you can never change. Isn't that absolutely beautiful? How beautiful is that? It says here, if the world hates you, if the system which by your works hates you, no, it hated me before it hated you. Do you know that Jesus also didn't find his identity in all the good that he did? Do you know that the Father didn't look at all the good things that Jesus did so that he, it could give him enough uh, brownie points so that he can be raised from the dead? Jesus wasn't raised from the dead because of all the sick people he healed. He wasn't raised from the dead because of all the good works he did. That's not why he was raised from the dead. The reason why he was raised from the dead is because the Father promised him that he would be raised from the dead and Jesus didn't try to raise himself up from the dead and simply relied upon the Father. There wasn't a, a, a scorecard in heaven where it was saying, this Jesus is righteous, he's done all these good things. As a matter of fact, if Jesus must have, must have been saved by all the good that, that, that he was, he wouldn't have been saved because he became sin. So if he became sin, did he become sin or didn't he become sin? It's kind of as if Jesus didn't really become sin. And that the Father just saw him as holy, he didn't become sin, and now raised him because of his holiness. Jesus was not raised because of his holiness. He was raised because of the love of the Father. He trusted the Father. The Father promised him that he would be raised up on the third day. The devil said to him in the desert, Listen, man, you know you are poor here. You've got no food from your own ability produce food for yourself live from your own power let us see he says no i will not live from my own abilities to do miracles but i will live from every word that comes from the mouth of the father and the father said you are my son meaning you have eternal life and even if i die the father's word is true then he'll raise me from the dead that's how jesus lived and that is what he's coming to bring us. He says the world hated Jesus. A system where you don't trust in your own ability, but in the ability of God. They hated that. It says that's why they will hate us. Listen to this. If you were of the world, the world would have loved his own. But because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you, I have delivered you, I've picked you, I have uprooted you out of this world, therefore the world hates you. 
I want to tell you, you are picked up out of the world, man. I have given them, listen to Jesus' prayer, I have given them your word, and the world hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Listen to Jesus' prayer. I do not pray for you to take them out of the world, but for you to keep them from evil. So what is Jesus' prayer? Father, keep these people from trying by their own works. Keep these people from toiling in their own poverty. The law has come to show us that we are poor in our own ability, but that we have a treasure, which is Jesus, which is the source of our life. That is the way it is. If I sit here in Zambia, let's take a, 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 just a normal, natural uh, uh, example. If I sit here in Zambia, do you know that I don't even have a job in Zambia? I don't even have a work permit in Zambia. As pertaining to, if you must measure me right here in Zambia, outside of the, the other country that I'm from, just here in Zambia, I'm a poor man, absolutely poor. I don't even have a job in Zambia. I, I'm not even allowed to work in Zambia. don't have a work permit. So in my own ability here, I can produce absolutely nothing for myself. I am basically condemned to a life of poverty. But I'm not from Zambia. <laughs> I know where I'm from in a natural sense. Looking at that, how much more should we see it as Jesus says here. I'm not asking you, Father, to take them out of the world. All I'm asking you is protect them from not toiling in their own abilities, but resting in you and in my work for them. I end off with this. It says, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Listen to this. Be not conformed to this world or this evil world. Do not be conformed to the works righteousness system, but be transformed. That would transform me to be changed into a different form as what Jesus was when he, in the transfiguration on the mountain, be transformed by the renewal of the mind. So let us not submit to the systems of this world. Man, I wish I had another hour to preach. But let us not submit to the evil that the Lord has come to redeem us from and see, see that He is the one that has come and he, he keeps us in this world, but He's uprooted us and given us a new well of life we live by the fact that he was raised from the dead we live by the acceptance and the union between god and man in christ we live by the abundance of life possessed by jesus we live by his rulership over our lives we live by his kindness his mercy and his grace whereby he greets us and whereby he will conclude everything he is the alpha meaning grace and peace to you is how it begins grace and peace is how it will be in the middle of the whole thing and grace and peace is how it will end the bible even says that awaiting the grace to be given to us at the revealing of jesus christ meaning when he comes back we'll be graced with bodily eternal life 
It's all by grace and nothing else. Glory to God. Well, this is my last message to you from Zambia here on this trip. So you will hear from me again as Elena and I travel home. I'll make a maybe just a short uh, video for, with the phone, send some pictures while we flying and those kind of things but i want to thank you that you have traveled with me that you've carried me in your heart in during this whole trip and i want to encourage you today as i sit here outside it's so nice to have such a beautiful studio um, i want to encourage you and i want to say to you you don't see salvation as where you go when you die see salvation as being saved from a works-based mentality and system where it is not about living from the poverty of your mortality but living from the abundance of the resurrected Jesus who has conquered mortality in the flesh whose spirit gives you life live from that that as you think of what I've preached you will find that news articles and what they say about COVID and what some uh, a president now has done again and what some political leader has now done again. You wouldn't even worry. You wouldn't even worry. You would find the, the source of life as you are not living by the systems of this world. What have they now said again? But where you live about, live from what God has said, defined in the resurrected Jesus, you'll find abundance of life flowing from him not your own works. Glory to God. Amen, amen. Thank you so much that I could have blessed you with this message. Let me pray for you. Father, I want to thank you that I can stretch forth my hands to everybody that's watching me today. I thank you that as we sit here, uh, I, Helena, and Pastor Mayunda, as we sit here and we are just hearing your word, we are blessed. We are blessed. Thank you, Father, for that. And thank you, Lord, that every person that has heard my voice is blessed by you, well spoken of by you, honored by you, delivered by you, picked out by you for himself, having grace and peace. Amen, amen. I'll talk to you again in this week. God bless.